Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, it's a great joy for us to have Pastor Greg Johnson and his wife Michelle uh, from Influences Church, and he has been... uh, He's not a stranger to us. He's been with us many times. And uh, the power of God's word that comes through him is amazing. So be ready to be blessed. And um, he's been in the ministry for 40 years. That is amazing. That deserves a round of applause. And he did remind me that was, he started when he was very, very young. So, and I believe him. And so be ready for the word of God because God is going to speak to us through his servant. And come. Great. Give him a round of applause. Great. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. So good to be here. Everything got locked down this year, didn't it, with COVID? But we're gradually getting the courage and the permission to come out and live life again, which is fabulous. Thank you, Pastor Joseph, for the invite. I know Pastor Joe, we've been talking about him. He's on holidays. But thank you so much for the real privilege, genuine privilege, to be here to share with you this morning. And and Jeremy and the team, what a great uh, time of worship. You know, I must confess I must live in some other uh, parallel universe because I didn't know hardly any of those choruses. But they were fabulous. They were in-house. Well, they were probably well-known all around the world, but I just don't know them myself. But great sense of God here this morning. So great to be here. Let's just open our hearts and pray just for a second. Father, we thank you so much that we can come together and worship you. Thank you that we've been lifting up Jesus. Thank you he's been in the centre of our attention and the centre of our worship today. And we pray, Holy Spirit, continue to lift him up, continue to exalt him today as we look at him in your word. And we just pray that we would appreciate him a little more today because of our time together. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, what a year. What a year it has been. Like, hello, whoever thought this would happen to us and, uh, you know, we're still in the midst of it, aren't we? You know, my wife and I, we're, we're a bit weird. Near the start of COVID, when it sort of happened, we decided to watch the movie Contagion. No sense whatsoever. But we're sitting there watching it and we're going, we're living the script. It's exactly as the movie, was. we were kind of living it. And I don't know about you, but we've kind of been in a bit of a feeling like we're living in a dream, haven't we? Like these are things that are kind of way, way beyond us and fortunately so, so thankful we're living in Australia. So thankful we're living in little old Adelaide because life is getting back to normal here which is so, so fantastic. But of course if you go on the web there's all the conspiracy theories and the, uh, you know, the messages on the second coming are all there and, and you know, I love the book of Revelation, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Uh, it says you know, if you read the book of Revelation you'll be blessed. Well, I don't know. I kind of read it and just get more confused. But I'm a glutton for punishment. So about two months ago, I thought, I'll start studying the book of Revelation again. And, and uh, you know, I've been at it for two months. I'm up to about chapter six. I'm a slow reader, obviously. And I just get more and more confused. I have no idea what the book is all about. I have no idea. Is, is what we're going through part of the end times or whatever? Don't ask me. I have no idea. But you know what? I know there is a blessing in that book because what I do know that book tells us is that Jesus is on the throne. 
He's in total, absolute control. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. Uh, and he is working a plan and that plan will come to pass. And, you know, you might feel a bit unnerved like all of us had have at times this year. But let me reassure you today, he's still on the throne. And that's who we've been worshipping today with confidence and faith that it doesn't mean everything's going to go smooth. It doesn't mean we don't have any problems, but we know the one who's, who has this whole world and indeed our individual lives in his hands. And that's what I want to talk about today. Whew, thank goodness I'm not going to teach on the book of Revelation. We might dip into a couple of verses in Revelation near the end of the message, uh, but you know, I want to look at Jesus fresh today and just kind of do a panoramic view of who he is. And, and you know, uh, some people think Jesus is irrelevant. I've been the principal of a Bible college for many, many years and uh, uh, live in two worlds or used to. We've, we've closed or modified our college and so on and used to live in the Christian world and the secular world because we were accredited by the government. And, and, you know, I'd go to many of these government accreditation seminars and so on. And in particular, I remember one and, and we're there. There's probably about 100 people there and, and they, it was all, an all-day thing. So they wanted everybody to introduce yourself. And so they started, you know, working through there and there were people teaching plumbing, t- people teaching first aid and people teaching all sorts of trades and that was in the vet sector and so on. And uh, there was another lecturer I knew from another Bible college. In fact, they were from Table College and they got up before me and they said, I'm from Table College and we teach Christian ministry. And and just behind me, two people I heard just say, what do they teach there? How to walk on water maybe? You know, and kind of this sense of why would you waste your time? going to a Bible college? Why would you waste your time studying the Bible? Why don't you study something worthwhile? That was kind of the, the impression they were giving. And I think we can sometimes feel like that as Christians. We go, oh, gee, we, we're a little Christian group here. But you know what? We've discovered the truths of the universe. And his name is Jesus. We never want to be intimidated but for our beliefs because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he holds this world in his hands. Well, let's have a look at him. And of course, we'll start in John 1. John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning, this is talking about Jesus, was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. I just love that. What what incredible verse that is. Here is Jesus, the eternal Word of God, who has existed from all of eternity. He was with God and in fact he is God. And he's not only been there for so long, but he is the creator and the giver of life. John 1, 3, it says, All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made and in him was life. He is actually the source of our very life. He made us. And it's the one that gives us life. Paul elaborates this in Colossians 1, verse 15. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth and he made uh, and sorry and he made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones kingdoms rulers and authorities in the unseen world everything was created 
through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Just think about that. He is not irrelevant. He is not powerless. He is in fact the great creator who made this whole universe and the one that in fact gives us life. There's no important person more important person than, the, than him that we could worship or focus on or study or give thanks to because he is the great creator of all things. But, you know, the amazing thing is, and we know this, but, you know, we need to remember these things. We need to focus things. This great creator who actually made everything became one of us. Think about that. He loves us so much that when we got into trouble, he came and became one of us just like us. Again, back in John 1 verse 14, this eternal word says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And again, Paul says it this way, Philippians 2, 6, though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, but instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Think about that. He was God and yet he became one of us. And not just kind of parading around this world looking like us, he actually became one of us just like us. Not giving up being God, but also fully embracing humanity just like you and me. You know, he put aside somehow his divine attributes. Just think about what it cost him to do that. He put them aside. He never gave them up, but he kind of gave up the independent use of them. So we know that's true because God knows everything. But when, when Jesus was on earth... It's very evident he didn't know everything because he in fact says, you know, they were talking about the, the time of the second coming and Jesus says, no one knows that. Only the Father knows the time of the second coming, not the angels, not even me. Think about that. Even though he's God, somehow at that point in time, he didn't know all things and didn't know the time he was coming. Now, of course, he knows now because he's back in heaven. But at that point, it shows us that his humanity was just like Ours. Now, theologians have kind of debated over the years, how did that happen and how could that be possible? And it's pretty tricky because the Bible doesn't fully explain it. But the, the closest I can imagine what it would be like would be to take the fastest 100-metre sprinter in the world, Hussein Bolt. Man, he's pretty fast, isn't he? But, you know, if you were put him in a three-legged race with me, where one of his legs is tied to one of my legs, I think he'd run a bit slower, just a tad. But, you know, the fact that he's tied to me would mean his experience has totally changed. He can't run as fast in, in the, his experience, but it doesn't mean he's given up the ability to run that fast. He's still the fastest man in the world. He just happens to be tied to me. Somehow, I think that kind of helps me get my head around how the eternal word who knows all things and is fully God and never gave that up, somehow when he became one of us, tied himself so much to our humanity that although he still had all those divine 
abilities, somehow in his experience, he was no longer accessing them. Just think about what that would have cost him. Being the almighty God and yet living life now just like you and me. You know, think about little baby Jesus in the manger. You know, what an amazing thing. When you bring your first or any of your babies home, you kind of, the thing that just blew me away is how helpless they are. Like, it's really, it really messed with my head that if you put them down in the cot on their side and you come back two or three hours, where are they? In exactly the same spot. They can't even kind of roll over, which kind of, that's not hard, is it? Surely they can roll over, but nut, you put them down that way, nut, that's a very theological word, isn't it? Nut, okay, you put them down that way and that's it. You're, oh, let's try it on the back for it, okay, on the back. And you leave them there for as long as you like, they, they won't roll. They just, you know, as they start to learn to have solid foods and then, of course, they want to eat themselves and feed themselves, well, more of it ends on the wall and on the floor and got a confession to make. My wife and I took a long time to have our kids and we were experts on kids because of that fact. Uh, before we had them and we saw people buy those bibs that were made of plastic with a little little sort of a oh you know and the food would go down there and they'd dip it out of it oh did we buy one of those I don't think no we didn't fall that much okay but reality didn't hit that much when the eternal word became one of us he had to learn to feed himself you know, he wasn't lying in the manger and Mary's going, coochie, coochie, coo, and Jesus is going, dear woman, what is this coochie, coochie, coo? Don't you know I made the whole universe? No, 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 he had to learn everything just like we do. Somehow he tied himself to us so that his, although he was fully God, his experience was, was no different to yours and mine. Somewhere along that journey, he had to discover who he actually was and what his mission was. And if I want to be a little naughty today, because you guys know me enough, I can be a bit naughty, can't I? Someone says to him, so what did you find out in your devotions today? And he says, I discovered I'm God. <laughs> now, if that happens to you one day and you do your devotions and you discover, nah, it's not, it's not you, it's been done before, Okay. Now, it may not have happened, I'm just being a bit silly there, but I'm sure Mary inputted into his life about the virgin birth and, and all that. But little by little, he, it dawned on him who we actually were. That's, I'm trying, just trying to illustrate how his humanity was just like ours. Little by little, he had to discover that. Until at the age of 12, certainly he knew the mission upon his life. And certainly, you know, later on, he knew he was going to die for us and so on. But his humanity was just like ours. Well, why did he do that? Well, the first thing that we could talk about there is he came to undo all of the problems that Adam and Eve caused for you and me. Think about that. God puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, this perfect environment. They can enjoy everything there except eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know the story. There came the fateful day when they were tempted and, and instead of resisting the devil... They submitted to him and ate of that fruit and it brought the whole world under a curse and brought death and suffering and all those things into our lives. And, and Jesus came 
God became man to become one of us, to undo what Adam caused in our lives. He came to do that as a man, not as God. See, I don't believe there's ever been a battle or a fight between God and the devil. Think about this. God is all-powerful and the devil is not. Imagine a boxing match between God who's all-powerful and the devil who's not. Okay, here we go. Ding. Oh, it's over already. It's like a a fight between an elephant and an ant. It's it's just gone. Make no doubt about it, God is not on the throne having a nervous breakdown about what the devil is or isn't doing. Now, God certainly doesn't uh, agree with everything the devil does, but he allows him to do it. But one day he's going to say enough is enough. But when God became man, there was a real battle. And this was a battle between the devil and a man named Jesus, who was God, but had limited himself. So that the temptation that Jesus endured and overcome was real and it was just like the temptation you and I experience. But he, he said to the devil, I will not yield to you and he never ever yielded for a second and as a result he gained back the authority that Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden. He gained back that authority as a human over the devil. That's one of the reasons he became one of us, is to gain back what we had lost. Hebrews puts it this way, Hebrews 4.15, we, we have a high priest, talking about Jesus, we don't have a high priest rather, who's unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and notice this, yet without sin. What an amazing thing that is. Paul says it in Romans 5, Therefore, as one trespass, that's the fall of Adam and Eve, led to the condemnation of all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life of all men. For by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. See, there's a man who overcame the devil and his name is Jesus. I just love that. He partook of our flesh and then overcame the devil where we could not do. He did it on our behalf. But not only did he do that, he came, of course, to pay the price for our sin. This is the idea of redemption, that he died in our place. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know, God just can't forgive us. You know, you kind of think, well, if God loves us, can't he just forgive us? Well, no, because if he just forgave us, he'd be saying there are no consequences for sin. Parents, we understand this to be true. You know, you're sitting around the, the, the table and, and, and your four or five-year-old you know, is playing with the sugar bowl and you say, stop playing with the sugar bowl. If you touch that sugar bowl again, I'm going to smack your hand. And the little four-year-old looks out and goes, on the sugar bowl. Right there, parents, is a parenting moment. If you just go, oh, you're such a naughty little cutie, don't do that again. You've just said your word means nothing. You've just said, 
I might give you some standards, but go ahead and do whatever you like. There are no consequences for doing wrong. Well, multiply that a billion times and you've got God's scenario because the reality is the wages of sin is death. And if God let us sin and just said, oh, you're just a naughty little cutie and didn't apply the death penalty, he would be saying that you can murder and it doesn't matter. You can rape and it doesn't matter. But it does because the wages of sin is death. So God just can't forgive us. He's got to deal with the consequences. And if he doesn't, He's wiping out all standards of right and wrong. And so by his grace, he becomes one of us. Stands toe-to-toe with the devil as a human being and says, I will not yield and gains authority as a human now, therefore having no sin and then dies on the cross, paying the price that we should have paid. He took our death into himself on the cross so that if we will trust him, if we will accept that sacrifice on our behalf, then God is free to forgive us. See, becoming a Christian is not about being religious. It's about whether we'll accept that price on our behalf. The choice is ours. God says, I've paid the price for everybody. But we've got to accept it. Otherwise, we're saying, no, I reject that price. I'll have to part myself. That's our choice. Who do we want to pay the price? Do we want to take it ourselves or will we accept it on our behalf through Jesus? I love what Jesus said on the cross. John 19, 30. He says there when he tasted the sour wine, he said, it is finished and then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit think of those words it is finished it is finished there's no more penalty or price that needs to be paid he has paid the price for us so he became one of us to overcome the devil he became one of us to pay the price for our sin And thirdly, he became one of us to bring us back into relationship with the Father. Galatians 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because we're sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You know what? As much as we might love our budgies or our cats or our dogs, you can't adopt them. Sad news. You can't adopt your budgie. I'm sorry. Why can't you do that? Because they're of the wrong kind. Hey, here's my budgie. He's now my new son. People are not going to accept that, are they? Like, it doesn't work that way. No, you can only adopt a human being. And when God says, I adopt you. It's not just a term that he uses to kind of describe a family relationship. He can do it because he became one of us. Think about that. He became one of us. Therefore, when he calls us sons and daughters of God, we are really sons and daughters because we've got a big brother and his name is Jesus, who is one of us. When God says he adopts us, we actually become members 
of his family. I could talk more about that, but I've got to keep going. They tell me any minute now the musos are going to come on stage and that's the hit the red button that the guest speaker has got to stop speaking. So not yet, Jeremy, okay? Just... But of course, I know these are things we already know, but of course he didn't just die on the cross, he rose from the dead. Think about this, 1 Corinthians 15, I, Paul says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He rose from the dead because his life was sinless and death itself had no power over him. Ephesians 1 says he's now far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, and not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ. He has absolutely all authority. You think about if you want to stop somebody, well, you might threaten them and that might stop some. You might beat others and that might stop them. You might put them in prison and that might stop them. But the ultimate thing you can do to anybody to stop their plans and their purposes from coming to pass, the ultimate thing and usually the final thing is just kill them. And it's all over after that. But you know what? They did all of those things to Jesus. They threatened him. They beat him. They put him in prison. And ultimately they killed him. But even death itself, he shrugged it off. There is nothing that can ever stop him. That means every promise he made, he will bring to pass. When he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, it's going to happen because nobody in heaven or in hell can stop him. He has absolute authority and it's proven because he rose from the dead. You know, that doesn't mean everything's going to be great if you're a Christian. Hey, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've realised it's not all smooth. We still got to live every day. We still have our crises and so on. But we know the one in whom we're trusting has got a plan and a purpose and it will come to pass. I remember what Selwyn Hughes said many years ago. He said, if life is like waves coming up and down a beach, you know, and when the wave is up, it's kind of representing when everything's good. And when the wave goes out, it's like when everything's going bad. And he says, as Christians, we've got to learn to take our eyes off the waves and focus our eyes on the tide because in life there will be good days there will be bad bad days there will be health there will be sickness there will be good times bad times that's like the waves but you know what the way the the, the the sea is coming in the tide is coming in his plan will not be thwarted right now there seems no simple answer to what the whole world is going through but God's not out of control. There's a tide coming in. His plan and his purpose will come to pass. Got to keep going. We're nearly there. Not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but he said he's going to prepare a place for us. John 1, John 14, verse 3. If I go, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Think about that. He's coming again. He's now glorified. Hebrews 8 says he's now sat down at the right hand of the Father. Philippians 2 says that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And I've got to throw a little bit of Revelation in as well. Revelation 19, you know what? He's coming back again to this world. Revelation 19 says, Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. And this is Jesus on the horse and its rider was named Faithful and True. He judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes are like flaming fire and on his head are many crowns. A name was written on him that is not understood except by himself and he wore a robe dipped in blood. That's his own blood. And his title was the Word of God. And chapter 21, verse 5, he says, The one sitting on the throne, this is Jesus again, says, Look, I am making all things new. He said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he said, it is finished. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will freely give from the springs of the water of life. He is the ruling, reigning king who will come back again. We're living in a world that has got troubled times. We're living in a world that, let's use the word that we've heard a million times, it's unprecedented. But as Christians, it's time to lift our heads up high and realise no matter what happens, he's in control. He's sitting on the throne. It doesn't mean it'll all be nice. It doesn't mean personally we won't go through difficulties. and pro- that, that's, that's a cheap gospel. We've still got to live life. But it means in the midst of whatever we face, we have incredible confidence that he's on the throne. He's working to a plan that will never be thwarted. His plan will come to pass and we can trust Him. Whether we are having good times or bad times, we can trust Him that we are in His hands and He is working out His plan and His good for our purpose. We can have faith, we can have courage because our lives belong to Him. Maybe this morning you don't know Him. It's such an easy thing to get to know him is simply to ask him to come into our lives, to recognise that we need forgiveness because of the things we've done wrong and say, God, I'm sorry for those things. I accept that Jesus died on the cross. I accept that for me. And I want relationship with you. And it's as simple as opening our hearts and praying a prayer like that. The words are not critical. It's simply opening our hearts saying, God, forgive me come into my life. I'd like us to bow our heads in a moment of prayer just to give us some uh, privacy. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you've never opened your heart up to Jesus, I'd encourage you to pray along. The rest of us are all going to pray this out aloud after me. And if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, I encourage you to pray along with it just under your breath. We don't want to embarrass you at all. And I just love you to open up your heart to him today. So let's just pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. You love me so much that you sent Jesus to die for me. Please, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin and come into my life. I accept that you died for me and today... I give my life to you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a minute of privacy. And Again, I'm not going to embarrass anybody at all, but I'd love to pray for you where you are if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe 
recommitted your life to him today and just to let me know who you are and that you're here today while everyone else is just giving you a moment of privacy just between you and me just lift your hand right up now slip your hand up and just give me a wave you're saying yep I prayed that prayer thank you on my left there near the back thank you you can put your hand down who else who else I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to ask you to come down the front that's all I'm asking you to do is lift your hand anyone else just as an affirmation to yourself to me and to God that you really mean that saying yes I want you in my life who else just slip your hand up nice and high I'm going to prolong our service, but I don't want to miss you. Who else? Yes, thank you. Down the front here. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Who else? Who else? What an amazing thing. God became one of us so we could know him. Who else today? Last time looking across. Father, I thank you for those two folk that lifted their hands today. Thank you. Holy Spirit, for speaking into their lives and making the story of Jesus real to them. And Lord, as they've opened their hearts and lifted their hands, I pray you'd come and make yourself so real to them right now. Come and share the love of the Father with them today. May they leave this place knowing you've heard their prayer and that knowing you want to be involved in every part of their lives. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the rest of us today. Lord, help us, Lord, to day by day fall in love with Jesus more. Help us to realize He's on the throne and that He loves us and cares for us. And no matter what we might face on a day-to-day basis, we can have faith and confidence that His plan is working out in and through us. And today, Lord, we do thank You that we know You. Thank You our lives are in our hands. And we again confess our faith and trust in you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.